number 11, Matthew chapter number 11. If you're able to this morning, let's stand for the reading of God's word, Matthew 11. Matthew chapter number 11, last three verses of this chapter. The Bible says in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What a great passage this morning. Anybody feeling burdened today? Anybody feeling under the load? Seems like life, doesn't it? One thing after another, one challenge, one obstacle. And the Lord, think about this, as He shared this with His disciples, because He was God, He knew that He was heading towards Golgotha. He knew the burden. You and I have our, our burdens that we bear. But when you look at those in light of the fact that Jesus took the sin of the world upon him. And yet he says here, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. For the word of God, bless it as we listen this morning. May we be encouraged. Lord, may we be comforted. And Lord, if need be, may we be convicted. Speak to hearts this morning. Thank you again for the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. For his love for us in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you're having a seat there, if you've noticed by your outline or maybe up on the screen this morning, our theme for the year is about choice, choose. And there's a lot of things that we could choose in life. It seems like a lot of people want to choose what's easy. They just want the easy road. They don't want anything hard. You have other people that, you know, they, they actually kind of like things the hard way. A lot of us, because we choose wrong, we end up learning things the hard way, right? And so when you think about it, life is full of choices. And it's important that we see this morning that it's our choice. It's your choice and mine. Now, again, this is the Bible this morning. I'm just going to try my best to just stay true to this passage of Scripture. But I want you to see that it may not be exactly what you think it to be this morning. We think about what Jesus was saying here. He was talking to his disciples, and certainly he knew them. He knew them inside and out. He knew the life that they were living before he met them, and he knew some of the things because they were his disciples, some of the things that they experienced, because the Bible says if we're going to live godly, that we shall suffer persecution. So many in life live a burdened life. They feel overloaded in their lives. I want you to see maybe a couple of illustrations of how people feel sometimes. Notice the first slide here that the guys show you here. Is, I think a lot of times you see somebody like this and you think, 
Boy, just going for a nice bike ride. How about the next one there? You see another individual here, and that poor donkey or mule right there, just a, a couple things that they've put on that beast that they call it a beast of burden. Look at the next one. You see clearly here that this vehicle was not meant for this. And uh, just overloaded, and that's the way we feel sometimes in our lives. How about the next one here? We see uh, many times you see people in certain parts of the country where this is how they spend their life, carrying and bearing these heavy burdens as they travel from maybe from one village or out in the brush back to their homes. And we see this, and then the last one here I think is a good indication sometimes. <laughs> that's what happens when you overload your life. It's easy to do that, is it not? Get so many things going on. And you find yourself just like that animal there, just out there in midair. Can't even touch the ground. I think about how the Lord was sharing this choice with his disciples. And I, you know, I think so many times about the choices that we make. Can I tell you this morning, I'll really remind you that the devil is a dirty, rotten liar. He really is. Many things the devil tells us is so far from the truth. Among the most dangerous and ineffective of the lies of the devil is this, where the devil will try to convince us that it's hard to do right and it is easy to do wrong, right? That's the way it is a lot of times. We think, boy, it's so hard to live the Christian life, and this statement sometimes seems true to us as, as Christians, but what happens is because we begin to believe the lies of the devil, that as Christians, we tend to look at the world around us, people that we know are not Christians, and to a point, what we end up doing is we see this world enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, as the Bible says, and here's what we do. We begin to envy them. Boy, I wish I had that. I wish I could do that. Now, can I remind you, look at there in your notes about this matter of envying the sinners, the wicked. The Bible says, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. Proverbs 24, fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked. The Bible tells us that the devil's way is not the easy way. God's way is. Now, a lot of times we don't think it that way, but the truth is God's way is the easy way. Look at Proverbs 13. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. A wicked messenger falleth into mischief, but a faithful ambassador is health. In other words, God is trying to help us understand that it's not like the devil has been trying to get us to believe all these years. The devil says it is hard to do right. No, no, no. It's, it is easy to do the right thing. God wants us to choose the easy way this morning. And so with God's help this morning in just these three verses, I want you and I to discover 
some things regarding choosing the easy way. Look at the first thing I see here. I see the request in verse 28. The Bible says here again that we see the activity of the request. Notice the word, I love it, in the Bible, the word come. Just a simple word. The word come. So possible, so simple, so achievable, listen, by everyone. This matter of come. And the activity of the request is Jesus says come, but notice who's he talking to. Notice the audience of the request. He says in verse 28, come unto me, here's the word, all. Let's say that, all. That includes everyone. Who is Jesus inviting? Who is Jesus requesting to come unto him? The Bible says the audience is an inclusive audience. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. It, it, it uses the analogy of, a, of an ox or oxen that they would use to plow the fields. They would place this burden upon them. And many times, because of those animals, those burdens that they were under would threaten to crush them. And you think about how Jesus is inviting us, you and me, who might be under our own load, dealing with our own problems, dealing with so many things in life, and he is inviting those of us that are burdened down by sin to come unto him. He says, come unto me all. He's inviting maybe those that are under a false pretense that think that they have to do something to earn their salvation. And there's a lot of people out there today that, that feel like by their own efforts that maybe they can come to the Lord. But Jesus is inviting all this morning. You see, we're talking about the Lord's way, the easy way, and he is requesting us to come. That's the activity. And notice the audience is to all. Luke 5, 31, Jesus said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Now, who's he talking to? Remember, Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. According to the word of God, we're all lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So we find the request, the activity is that he wants us to come, and the audience is inclusive, it's to everyone. But then notice letter C, and you probably figured this out already, who's the announcer? Well, notice what he says. He says, come unto me. I'm glad that the Lord is the one that's making that request. I've had people who have called and said, hey, uh, Brother Keeley, can you come over? Pastor, can you come over to our house? And I'm always glad to do that. But boy, when the Lord calls, when the Lord is the one that invites us and gives this invitation, look, Jesus didn't say, I want you to come to church. Jesus didn't say, I want you to come to a human leader. He didn't say, I want you to come to a religious ritual. He said, come unto me. He's calling you to himself. This morning in our Sunday school hour, I shared how that God called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees 
and he was calling him unto himself. Abraham didn't know where God wanted him to go. By faith, he believed God. And this morning, the announcer of the request is that we are told that he is wanting us to come to him. Jesus is inviting us this morning to come to him. Would you be willing to come if he called you? You say, I sure would. Well, remember, the request is to everyone. Look at the Bible, says in Luke 19, verse 5, Jesus came to the place and he looked up and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. He says, I must abide at thy house. Boy, what a great day for Zacchaeus. I wonder if Zacchaeus' house was in order. My wife had a bunch of ladies over the house yesterday. They had a great time at our house, and uh, they were enjoying themselves. But boy, for about, I, I don't know how many days before the ladies come, my wife said, listen, I need to do this, and I've got to get this. And I said, I said listen, it'll be okay. She said, you don't understand women. <laughs> Well, guess what? I have three sisters and no brothers, four daughters and no sons, five granddaughters and one grandson, finally, and I still don't understand women. But I know this, that when Jesus calls, as the songwriter says, Jesus is calling to the weary to rest, calling today, calling today, bring him your burden and you shall be blessed. He will not turn you away. What a great thought this morning. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you've gone through, no matter who you are, He is calling everybody to come unto Him. And it's a wonderful thing as we see Him announcing His request. But look at this, the, the award of the request. What does Jesus say? He says, I want you to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And here's the reward. I will give you what? Rest. Let's say that out loud. What is it? Rest. How many of you like rest? Some of you right now, you're resting way too much in church. I love my bed. Anybody else love your bed? Anybody else's bed hates you the way my bed hates me because I don't give it enough attention? Right? Jesus said, look, I know that you're weary. I know you've got a lot of things going. I know you're dealing with things. But if you would just understand that if you would come unto me, I'll give you rest. What a wonderful exchange that you lay your burdens down. You give them to him. Folks, we are not we are not handling them very well, are we not? And when we give him our burdens, what does he give us in exchange? Not like the Pharisees, more burdens. He gives us rest. What a wonderful thought this morning. Look, it's not your effort or mine that accomplishes our salvation. We cannot save ourselves. It is through the effort. It is through the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, 
He saved us. The Bible says there, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Folks, listen this morning. When I see this passage and I think of the request, it all begins with that first step towards Jesus. And the only way that's possible is there has to be a humble admission. And here it is. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need what you have to offer to me. Notice the request, but then I see the requirement. You say, I knew it. I knew it. There was a catch, right? Well, think about it this morning. Look in chapter 11 again. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Look at verse 29. Here it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, this isn't a bad verse. This is a great verse in the Bible. Because I want you to notice the first part of the requirement is service. Service. Remember what he says here? Take my yoke upon you. Whose yoke is he asking you to take? His. Let me ask you, are you saved this morning, a child of God? Do you think God loves you this morning? Is God going to do anything to hurt you? Is God going to do anything to, to add to the load that you already have? No. God loves you, right? So when, I, when, I, when you and I hear this word yoke, by the way, how many of you really know what a yoke is? I'm talking about a real yoke. Yeah, about maybe about 30% of the crowd. Just to help you understand, you can look it up yourself, but you can see the picture there on the slide. That's what a yoke is. It was this, oftentimes, originally, a wooden piece that they would put over the shoulders of oxen, sometimes horses. Notice the thing that would go around the neck, and it would create the, the weight of this that they would use to plow a field, to take care of things. And a lot of times, if you've never been on a farm, been around agriculture, you may not have known this, but... When you think of that yoke, here's a couple thoughts that come into mind. And by the way, that's why we need to study the Word of God in the context that God gives it, because what we need to do, because so many of us are not familiar with what a yoke is, we need to familiarize ourselves. We don't need to dismiss the Bible. We need to read it and study it as God gave it. We need to understand and ask the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. And this morning, when, you, when we talk about this yoke in that economy, in their culture, it spoke of a couple of things. One of them was it spoke of submission. Now, this is a place that a lot of people struggle because many people today don't want to submit to authority. You just think about how people think of law enforcement today. And I, I realize there may be some bad apples in the bunch, but, but honestly, think about what this world would be like without law enforcement. And by the way, why do we have law enforcement? Because God ordained government in Genesis chapter number 9. And the Bible says that we are to be subject unto the higher powers. All things are of God, including this matter of authority in our lives. You think about the home. God has placed the head of the home, and I realize some homes have changed because of various reasons, but God placed the husband there, the head of the home. We understand that God has even this matter. The Bible talks about submitting ourselves one to another in the home. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. You with me this morning? 
See, there, the Bible makes much of submitting ourselves to authority, but it, look here, it kicks against our natural grain. We don't like submitting ourselves to authority, and that's why sometimes you see children rebel and leave the house, and they think life's going to be easy when they get out there. It's kind of like the child that grew up under the rules of the parents, and he gets old enough and says, you know what, I am sick and tired of these rules, I'm going into the army. And they get out there and they find out that it is just like being at home, except they actually make you get up earlier. And whatever they put out to eat, you eat it or you don't eat it all. You see, the Bible talks about submitting to authority, and that's what this yoke is. And Jesus says, look, he says, I, I want you to understand that, that I've got something better for your life, but there are a couple requirements. One of them is service. And the Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Now, folks, again, look, God's not going to hurt me. God's not going to harm me. God loves me. It's not a problem if you love God, know God, to submit to God. But notice, I also think about how not only the yoke spoke of submission to authority, but it spoke of partnership. Look at that yoke up there on the screen. See the two? You're not doing it by yourself. You're in a partnership, and the Bible says we are laborers together with God. Remember what Jesus said here? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Look, Jesus doesn't say, here you go. He doesn't just add to your life. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So the first requirement of this request is service take my yoke upon you. But look at the second part. He says the second requirement, not only is service, but schooling. You say, boy, you mean I got to go back to school? Well, so to speak, as a Christian, yes. Because he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. How many of you think Jesus is the master teacher? Right? For every Christian. I remember when I got when I graduated from high school, and by the way, I barely, I mean by the skin of my chinny-chin-chin, I barely graduated high school. I know you find that hard to believe, but I'm not the sharpest tack in the drawer. And the reality was, and it's not an excuse, I wasn't saved, and I had no desire to be in school. I was hanging around with the wrong kids. And, uh, and I barely graduated. I, my mom tells me all the time that's why she got gray hair very early. It was because of uh, how I was when I was younger. But I remember after I graduated from school, I used to tell everybody, including my parents, I said, that's it, I'm done with school. I'll never go to school another day in my life. And then God saved me, and then God called me into the ministry, and then I went to college. And I thought, what a wonderful thing. What made the difference, the Lord? <laughs> I remember my mom sitting there at my college graduation, and I'm, I'm not bragging on me this morning, I'm bragging on the Lord, but I was sitting there in my college, well, I was, I was sitting up with the rest of the graduates. My wife was sitting next to my mom and my dad, and my mom was sitting there, and she was looking at the program, and they've got all the names of the graduates, and, and uh, they, they have on there, I don't know all the terms, but summa cum laude and all that stuff, you know, and, and that doesn't mean anything to me, but, but uh, they've got that on there, and they had on there three different uh, levels and it had either a one asterisk or two or a three on there 
And my, my mom's looking at the program and she kind of says to my wife, she says, uh, hey, uh, Dane's got a mark next to his name. And my wife says, yeah. She says, that means he's graduating with honors. And Joy goes, yeah, he's, he, God really blessed. He worked during school. And my mom looked at my wife and said, why didn't he do that in high school? And the truth was, is there was no desire to go to school. There was no desire to learn. And you know, one of the things, God put me in a Bible college setting for 12 years, and, and you know, they're there, they're in the classroom, and some of you have gone to college. Some of you are maybe in college right now. But the truth is, is that when you finish and graduate from college, you're not done learning. The truth is, is that Many graduates have said this statement. They never taught me that in college. You learn a lot more after. Well, you think about how many things you've learned about God after you got saved. Or through the burdens that you have in your life and because you come under his yoke. Jesus said, I want you to learn of me. And again, I want you to look at it. Look at it. See the order here. It's important that you see God's order. Take my yoke upon you. See that first step? And then notice, and learn of me. Now, see, here's the thing is, the order is, first we have to accept the yoke, his yoke. And if we, watch this, if we submit, then he says, then I want you to learn. Now, that's not the way we think. We want to do it in reverse order. We want to learn. We want to figure this whole thing out. And then we will say, okay, now I'll take that yoke. But remember, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We think once we have learned enough that we're able to serve him, but he wants us to serve and then we will learn. You know what God's method is? On the job training. That's what his message is. You think about the method that he uses, and so we see the, the request. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But he says there's a requirement, and then notice thirdly, along with the requirement comes the reward. Now again, look what he says here in verse number, uh, verse number 30. He says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Now, how many of you like those two words, easy and light? Right? I hate moving, and I hate moving people. You know why? Because everybody has heavy furniture. Everybody. You know, people tell me all the time, oh, Pastor, we just got a few things, you know? And by the way, our furniture is not light either. Brother Kenny's like, Pastor, I am not moving you again, you know. <laughs> My wife's piano weighs like 6,000 pounds, you know. It's like, you know, and, and Brother Greg came over. Brother Greg just picks up one side like it's tissue paper. I can't do that anymore. But Jesus uses the word easy and light. Wonderful words, especially if we're burdened down. What, what kind of reward is he talking about here? Here it is, relief. That's what he's offering to you. Now, look, if you like the burdens and, 
You want to continue living under the load, well, go ahead. But Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In verse number 30, he's saying that it's under my yoke that he talks about that we find rest. In other words, through serving him, we actually find freedom. Let me say that again. Through serving him, we actually find freedom. Philippians 1.21, Paul writes, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Wonderful thought there. Great principle. In other words, if I can use some analogies in everyday life, it is easier to listen to godly music than it is to become addicted to the devil's junk. It's easier to stay morally pure than it is to deal with the consequences of immorality. It's easier to say no to the worldly crowd than it is to have your lives corrupted and your own testimony to be damaged. It's easier to pay our tithe than it is to deal with, as the Bible puts it, the devourer. You see, folks, God's way is the easy way. I read a true account about a Russian countess who accepted Christ as her Savior, and she was very open after she got saved about her new life in Christ. She began to tell everybody how she got saved. Well, remember, she was a Russian countess. The Tsar of Russia found out and was displeased about this woman's newfound faith in Christ, and here's what he did. He threw her in prison because she got saved. She wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. So after being in prison for 24 hours, with the very lowest of life in Russian society, the most miserable conditions that are imaginable in that day, he came into her, into her presence, and he smiled at her because he was the czar. He smiled sarcastically at her, and here's what he said. Well, are you ready now to renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? And this Russian countess who had newfound faith in Christ, she looked at the czar who promised her that she could just go right back to the the, the sin that she lived in, right back to her old life. Here's what she said, and these are not my words, they're hers. She said, I have known more real joy and more real happiness in one day in prison with Jesus than I've known in a lifetime in the courts of the czar. I wonder how many of us feel the same way. I wonder how many of us would admit that, listen, if we listen to his request and we understand the requirements that are placed upon us, that we are to take his yoke upon us and learn of him, that he has promised to give us relief. Notice fourthly this morning, He gives the reassurance. Go back to verse 29, because certainly he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. But look at the reassurance we get here in verse 29. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall. That's a promise from God. Ye shall find rest for your souls. Now this is a testimony coming from the Lord. And what I love about this description that he gives here is it it is unexpected character. Uh, Look, that's not the way most people are. He says, I am meek and I am lowly in heart. 
Now you think about the Lord Jesus Christ. The one thing I love about my Savior is this, that everywhere I look in scriptures, Jesus was approachable. He never wanted to be up on a shelf. He never wanted to be so high and mighty. He was meek and lowly in heart. He was attractive to people. My daughters, they, they all struggled when the boys started to come around. And, and, you know, I would hear it all the time, Dad, they're scared of you. Well, I'm glad. That's part of a duty of a father, you know, to keep all the bums away. But the one thing with, listen, with my children is... I always wanted, now maybe I didn't attain this, but I always wanted my children to feel like they could come to me at any time. Now, there were times, I guess, that maybe that didn't happen. But can I tell you that that's the way the Lord is to all people? Is He, he is approachable to all people? Jesus was criticized because He was a friend of publicans and sinners. He made everyone feel comfortable. And, and, and listen, this is unexpected character. Jesus desired in his life while he was here on this earth to remove the fears of those that might tremble when they were to come to him. And it was this gentle attitude. The Bible uses the word meekness. Folks, meekness is not weakness. Understand that Jesus, he wanted those that might be timid those that might be shy to come to him. He was lowly in heart. The word lowly means that he was not lofty. He didn't have ambitions. Look, what did Jesus say? Not my will, but thine be done. Jesus told his father that he came and he finished the work that he was given to do. When he was reviled, he reviled not back. Jesus was meek. He was lowly. He was gentle. He was willing to associate with the vilest of sinners, the lowliest of the lows. Jesus truly was lowly in heart. And I love the fact that when, I, when he gives reassurance here in verse 29, he says, you shall find rest unto your souls. Why can he say that? He says, because I am meek and lowly. And notice, not only is it unexpected character, but it's unbeatable consequences. I mean, think about when you come to him, when you come to find Rest, when you receive his request and invitation, he says, you shall find rest. Well, what is rest? Folks, the only place you can find rest is in Jesus. The Lord gives us rest. It's not something that he gives apart from himself. It's only in having him that we can really enjoy rest. John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye accept or unless you abide in me. The only way that we're going to have rest is in Christ. So folks, this morning, he says, come. Come unto me. He gives the request and then he gives the requirements. He says, you need to take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Then he gives here 
the reward. He's offering us this matter of easy and light versus hard. And then he gives us the reassurance, look, if we do come, he promises. And I want to give you some reminders before we go home this morning. And here they are. First of all, I hope you've seen from this passage this morning, the right way is the easy way. Because it's God's way. Notice, secondly, the wrong way is the hard way. Remember what the Bible says? The way of transgressors is hard. Thirdly, the Christian life is not a life of no yoke. It's a life of an easy yoke. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Fourth one, the Christian life is not a life of no burdens. It's a life of light burdens. Remember what the Bible says? Listen to this verse. It says, for... Our light affliction is but for a moment. But here's what I love about the verse. It says, which worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's just a light affliction. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the load that I'm under. I may not understand, but I know one that does. Notice The next one, there is no better master than Jesus. No better master than Jesus. And then the last one, no matter what our trials and troubles, we must rejoice that our burden is lighter and our yoke is easier than if we were living for the world. You see, so many people want to live for this world. And folks, I'm going to tell you, it's not God's way. We need to understand what is the Lord's way. I read an an account of a man by the name of Billy Bray. Billy Bray was a Cornish miner. He had accepted Christ as his Savior in 1823, and at that age, Billy Bray was 29 years old. He lived a life of drunkenness, debauchery, before he got saved. But he became such an outgoing witness and testimony for God that he became known as God's glad man. That's what they actually started calling him, God's glad man. One time he was digging potatoes from his garden, and he felt while he was digging those potatoes that the devil was really working him over, and the devil was oppressing him. And it seemed to him that the devil just kind of said in his ear, Billy Bray, God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he wouldn't give you such puny potatoes and so few. But Billy Bray, he didn't listen to the devil's temptation. He talked back to him. By the way, it's not a sin to talk back to the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan, right? Billy Bray heard what the devil had to say. But he began to talk back, and here's what he said to the devil that day. I served you long and true, devil. And no better servant could, be, could a master ever have than I was to you. He says, I didn't give, uh, when I served you, he says, uh, when, when I served you, he says, you didn't give me anything good for my efforts. He said, Billy Bray reminded himself 
that the burden that he, that he had serving Christ was lighter than the one that he had serving the devil. The yoke that he wore in partnership with Christ and submission to Jesus was easier than the yoke he wore as the one of the devil's disciples. And Billy Bray said these words, I would rather be in hell with Jesus than in heaven without Jesus. For hell with Jesus would seem just like heaven to me, and heaven without Jesus would seem just like hell to me. The songwriter put it this way, if the walls were not jasper and the streets were not gold, if mansions all crumbled, and if folks still grew old. Yet I'd see everything I'd been longing to see, for Jesus will be what makes heaven to me. He says, what a wonderful Savior we have. Folks, this morning, our yoke truly is easy, and our burden is light. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As our heads are bowed this morning with our eyes closed, no one's looking around this morning. I wonder if you have thought about, you're here this morning thinking about the request that Jesus made. And here's what he said, one simple word, come, come. Now he was talking to his disciples, but this word is found in other places in the Bible. It's an invitation for those that don't even know him, that may be trying their own efforts, trying to work their way to heaven someday. And the Bible says in Revelation 22, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, Jesus is tenderly calling. Jesus. He's inviting you to come unto Him. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ, oh, He's asking you, don't walk out those doors today without Him. It's as simple this morning as realizing that God loves you. That Christ died for your sins. And by faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, why don't you come this morning? This is what we call an invitation. In just a moment, I'll have a word of prayer. But if you're here today and you've never accepted God's gift, salvation, that Jesus paid it all, you can come this morning, come to Jesus and receive Christ that you can have a home in heaven. And if you're here this morning and you are saved, how's that going with the burden that you've got in your life? You kind of like that 
animal that got such a load that it's up in the air, it can't even touch the ground. Are you feeling the weight of it? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if you are, you're probably tired of it. And you know what he's asking you to do today? You're his child. He says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. Remember, the devil wants you to think it's hard. But he says, my burden is easy. It's light. Christian, why don't you come today? Why don't you say, Lord, I can't handle it. I can't take it anymore. And I want to learn from you. Give me your rest. And if you need to come this morning for that reason, as soon as I pray, we'll give the invitation. Lord, thank you for this morning. For the word of God, pray that you'd help those this morning that don't know Christ, that they would come and receive the gift of eternal life. Those that are saved, Lord, help them to not carry around that burden any longer to come under your yoke and to learn from you. Lord, we need your help. We need your relief. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.